What's up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the pod, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod. On Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is March4th.podbean.com. The link tree with all my stuff is in the podcast description. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow, and I truly appreciate each and every one of you checking out another edition of the March 4th with Mike Bauman podcast. If you can't tell, I'm a little under the weather. I've been sick since about last Tuesday, and as I'm recording this, it's a it's a Sunday. And you guys are hearing this on a Tuesday, so hopefully in a couple couple of days I'll be feeling better than I am right now. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it came on quick and just took me down. I don't know if it was just like a, a bad cold. I, I don't think it's the flu because usually the flu makes me nauseous. And thankfully, I uh, knock on wood, I haven't been um, I haven't been nauseous and I haven't vomited, which is cool. It's always a, always a good good day when you haven't puked, right? Um, but yeah, man, just I started to have a really bad sore throat come on and a runny nose come on um, last Tuesday. And then I worked from home the rest of the week because I told my boss, I'm like, dude, I'm not I'm not getting better. And I don't want to come in there and get anybody else sick. And it, until I took my covid test Wednesday, I didn't I didn't realize that uh, whether or not I had covid. So I uh, thankfully I tested negative for covid. And once I get better, I'm going to get my my flu uh, shot. And, uh, you know, it's a personal choice for, for those of you listening. I'm not going to preach here to anybody. Um, I encourage it strongly because not everybody who gets really sick or worse from, from the flu is, is old and, you know, um, in their, in their golden years, you know, there was a guy who used to work at the, the same paper as me back in the day for Toledo Free Press. And I think he was in his 40s and he died from from the flu. So again, I'm not saying that to be an alarmist or to scare anybody, but just keep keep in mind that, you know, something like the flu vaccine or even the COVID vaccine, um, do they guarantee that you won't get the flu or COVID? No. But what they do is drastically decrease the chances of you ending up very sick in the hospital with it or worse. Right. So that's, uh, I used to be somebody who didn't get the flu vaccine back in the day. I worked at a hospital back home and I was like, man, I get exposed to so much stuff. Like my first job in in healthcare was, um, working in the laundry and linen services department. And my job was literally emptying out the soiled linen chutes. And there was a big cart where we would use grocery bags to tie together the, uh, there was there was racks on the cart, and then the soiled linen would would come down the the poop chute, as it were. And um, unfortunately, the bags weren't always tied. So hopefully, you're not eating anything right now. But um, yeah, it would fill up, man. And and my job, I'd be going into work at five thirty or five o'clock in the morning. I think it was five a.m. Uh, as a freshman in college, and. So I I got exposed to a lot of nasty stuff, but then a couple of years I got really sick. And then eventually by the time I moved to Nashville in my late twenties, I said to myself, man, they're, they're offering it for free, right, right at my work. So, uh, it's pretty dumb if I don't get it right. Uh, so I highly encourage it, but again, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, make this about, uh, 
medicine or anything like that. But I will tell you, as soon as I get better and I get rid of this thing I got right now, uh, I'll be getting my flu shot, man, because it's just a gnarly time of the year. And especially when you're, you know, my situation, when you're traveling to see family for the holidays and stuff, I just think uh, you get exposed to a lot of crap. And why not protect yourself if you can, and especially if you can do it for free. So anyway, I don't want to rant too much in the beginning here. But uh, but yeah, so I've kind of got like this uh, late night smooth jazz radio voice going on right now. You're listening to 102.9. This is foreplay with, you know, no, never mind. Um, foreplay is a really good smooth jazz band, by the way, you guys. I wasn't being dirty. But, uh, but yeah, so I've been a little under the weather, but uh, I do love this time of the year. It's beautiful down here. I got a chance to see my mom and my stepdad last week and take a couple days off work, or I should say the week before last, and that was really cool. Spent some time with with them down here. Tennessee's a a really beautiful state, and uh, the trees and everything are really pretty this time of year, so it was cool to get outside a little bit, do a little bouncing around the city. I went to a vineyard I hadn't been to since I lived here, which was cool. Um, we, We went and checked out a bourbon distillery shout out dueling grounds up in franklin kentucky that was cool seeing how they make their stuff and it was it was good man so yeah it it was it's been fun but i think um just the temperature changes i had a tumor when i was a senior in high school in my nasal cavity so when it goes from hot to cold like it does here and it happens pretty quickly one one day it'll be 80 and then the next day it'll be like 50 it messes with my sinuses, man. So just take care of yourselves. Make sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you get enough rest. Make sure you stay hydrated, exercise, and eat well, man. Uh, everything in moderation, it all helps. And I know for me, I, I definitely wear myself down a lot with my hamster in a wheel brain when it comes to getting the, the right amount of sleep. Even last night, I was binge watching the show on Netflix that just captivated me. And uh, and I was, I was like, okay, I, Sunday I know I can sleep in. I don't have anything going on and I'm sick. I'm not going anywhere, but uh, but... Um, yesterday I spent most of the day on my couch. I've never spent that much time on my couch and gosh, I think since I've had it, (laughs) I just was that worn down, man. So take care of yourselves. It's cold and flu season and, uh, yeah, man. But, uh, the, the end of this month, obviously, as we know is Halloween and I wanted to switch things up this week and do just a horror appreciation show and, and really get into that spirit. I love Halloween. I love horror movies. I think part of it is is they used to scare me when I was a kid. And as I've aged, I've just had much more of an appreciation for them and really enjoy them a lot. Talk talk about it on this podcast. And I just thought, man, you know, let's switch it up a little bit and do a horror-themed episode. And I thought, what better two dudes to bring on here than a couple of really awesome, up-and-coming inspiring young filmmakers and they are none other than Steven Aripes and Dylan Baumgartner. Steven was just on the show I think in August we were talking about his horror movie The Director's Cut which I will have the links in the podcast description for you guys to support that film. It's on the uh, the film circuit right now in terms of the festival circuit. Steven's trying to put it out there to eventually make its way to all of you to see uh, and there's a there's a GoFundMe that he's doing to raise the funds to be able to get on those film festival circuits and, and promote the film. But I loved the director's cut. It was great to talk to him. He's a huge horror movie buff. And Dylan is a guy who wears a ton of hats. He's a filmmaker. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's a musician. 
Um, I mean, the, the dude does a lot of different things creatively. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as well. And even though horror isn't like his thing as a, as a filmmaker and as somebody who's into movies and somebody who's, you know, done short films, done production, done directing, done writing, music, the whole nine, I thought, man, it would be really cool to get these guys on here and get their thoughts on horror and talk about our favorite horror movies and shows and talk about experiences with horror movies and shows and also talk about how they view things through the lens of filmmakers and, and you know, how they view storylines, how they view the production, horror movie plots, those kind of things. And so, yeah, man, I just thought for the week of Halloween, let's really do it up and let's let's have a horror-themed episode. It only comes once a year. And I love horror movies, and, and it's it's never been something where I've just done an episode just about that. So I thought, hey, man, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's put it out the week of Halloween. And for all you horror movie fans out there, I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. And for those of you who just love film and art and creativity and good conversation, I think you'll enjoy it as well. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Steven Aripes and Dylan Baumgartner. Here it is. All right, Stephen, Dylan, thank you so much again for taking the time to make your return to the podcast like I was talking to you guys about. Um, I love horror movies. Stephen, you and I got a chance to geek out a little bit about it. Dylan, obviously, you did the score for Stephen's film, The Director's Cut. So, um, and, and you also directed who featuring Keith Allen, who's, who's been on this podcast. So it's familiar, uh, over here with, with all you guys from the real verse team and Steven, what you're doing. So I'm just excited mm-hmm. about getting a chance to geek out with you guys and do a horror themed episode, man. So I really appreciate you both joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. You're welcome. Anytime, man. It's been cool to connect with um, like-minded creators and, uh, you know, social media. There's a lot of crazy stuff, but it's it's been really positive for me over these last couple of years that I've gotten into the pod and getting a chance to connect with other independent people who are just chasing their dreams and pursuing their passions like me. And, um, you know, horror films, it, it's interesting and, and horror in general, it's I feel like it's always been there for me since I was a kid. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, where I wanted to start with you guys is kind of your initial experiences with that genre. Um, but for me, it was probably, it was two things. It was, are you afraid of the dark? Um, which I, I went back and got the first five seasons and paid way, way more than I should have for the DVDs. But I don't know, for some reason with Viacom, it seems like it's harder to get their stuff. Like after the fact, I, like all that is on Netflix now. And I think the new Are You Afraid of the Dark is on Netflix, but I don't know. It just seems, it seems harder to get the Nickelodeon stuff for some reason. But anyway, I, I, I got the, the first five seasons of Are You Afraid of the Dark because I'm nostalgic like that. I have Ren and Stimpy too, but we used to nice. watch that. Um, my brother, Greg, and my sister, Kaylin, were all two years apart. I'm in the middle. And that was part of the Saturday night Nickelodeon block when I was a kid. And are you afraid of the dark? I think if it wasn't the last thing, it was the very last thing. And some of them were like pretty creepy. Um, so that, that was the first thing. And then the other one was the first iteration of it. Um, that was the, the TV series that they made out of it. Um, 
which scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid, like growing up Catholic for, for, I feel like my parents, like anything sexual related, you know, or nudity they were concerned about, but I felt like when it came to it, they didn't think like, wow, like, you know, a clown that eats kids. <laughs> like they didn't sit and let us watch the whole thing, but like we could watch some of it while they were watching. <laughs> and, you know, Tim Curry is like, I mean, one of the greatest actors I think ever, but God, he scared the the daylights out of me. And I think the, the most recent version of it was great with uh, Bill Skarsgård as well. But anyway, that was my initial introduction to horror. When I think about when I was a kid, like the two things that really, from when I was younger, um, and we loved Are You Afraid of the Dark, but for you guys, man, what was the the dip your toes in moment for for horror as a genre? Um, I think for me, uh, like, I don't remember exactly when, but I remember uh, when I was a, a you know, really young kid, uh, I shared a room with my dad, and uh, he would put on cartoons or something for me to fall asleep to. But then once I was asleep, he'd put on whatever, you know, he wanted to watch. Um, so uh, I would, I just remember every now and then waking up to some, some sort of horror film and my dad being asleep and I just sit there and watch, you know, the <laughs> remainder of the film, whatever it was. Um, so I think I've seen bits of like the Jason movies uh, of the, um, you know, Chainsaw Massacre was definitely in there. Um, and uh, like the Nightmare on Elm Street films and stuff um but uh like like you the uh tim curry it that was like my big like introduction to like you know me and a bunch of friends sat down and watched it knowing we're gonna watch a scary movie and uh i remember actually thinking like oh this is actually not that bad it was actually pretty entertaining and you know mm -hmm. um i think that's what kind of opened the door to like you know horror movies can uh you know, be scary, but also be fun, um, you know, to just watch like objectively. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, same, I mean, just like you, Mike, I mean, uh, are, are you afraid of the dark goosebumps? I was watching that since, you know, when they were, when they were, when they originally came out and then it, that was like such a big thing. I remember watching it with my family. It was like a big event type thing, you know? So, um, yeah, no, it was a, was a big one. And then I saw The Shining pretty early, so that was a real big one. I remember, like I said, that scene when, um, I think we mentioned this when we talked on the podcast, the scene uh, in 237 with the old lady where she turns into the old-looking hag. Yeah. That, that, tra that traumatized me pretty bad. I remember I had to, like, leave, and then I had to come back, you know, because I was just, like, I was shook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely a classic. Um a nightmare that I had that was actually my first panic attack and I won't go down this rabbit hole too much, but um, <laughs> Ghostbusters too was actually kind of mm. scary, man, with Vigo the Carpathian. And there's that scene where Janos is like, he's like a ghost and he's, yeah. you know, in the sky on that little bike and he yeah, smiles yeah. and his stretches his arm out and his eyes turn red. I had like a, a nightmare that I think maybe came from that. And I'll never forget, dude, we were like on vacation and somehow that came up when we were like out to eat. And I, my dad just like totally just deadpan, like serious as a heart attack. I was like nine years old. I told him this dream that I had where like I woke up and the house that I grew up in, our bedroom, the, the, my bedroom that I shared with my brother, it was at the top of the steps. And then when you went across the hallway, 
there was a window above the the toilet. So like the bathroom was right across from, from our bedroom door. So whenever that door was open, my mom would usually leave the, the window above the toilet open to let some fresh air in at night. And it always used to creep me out as a kid because, you know, all you saw was black. It was just darkness, you know? And I had this really realistic dream when I was like nine that I woke up and I got out of bed and then I got to our hallway. And as soon as I got to the hallway, like I collapsed and then you know how you try to scream in a nightmare and it's like, Ugh! you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, can't, you can't scream. <laughs> and there was a face that looked like Janos that was like smiling with red eyes that like came out of that window. Um, mm. Scared the, the crap out of me when I was a kid. I was like nine years old, eight years old. And I remember telling my dad this and he just looked at me serious as a heart attack. And he's like, Mike, that's the devil. And just like went back to eating. His <laughs> got, like I, I like hit under the, I, I got so scared. I like, I vomited. Like it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. Anyway, I love you, dad. Yeah. We talked about it since everything's cool. Now, but, <laughs> but yeah. So the ghostbusters was one of those movies that I feel like the second one where it was like, um, it was yeah. a comedy, but, but it had like scary moments. And that's kind of a tie in to what I wanted to talk to you guys about some of our favorite horror movies. I, I wrote down five. Um, I feel like five okay. is like kind of a number that people use for mm-hmm. lists and stuff. But these are, I would say after the first three, they're the first three for me are kind of like one A, one B, and one C. And then the last two are are scary and I feel like okay. rated. But so my one A, one B, and one C are American Werewolf in London, which I I kind of feel like similar mm-hmm. to Ghostbusters is it's almost like a satire, you know, American Werewolf in London. It's a horror movie, but there's a lot of comedic mm-hmm. elements to it. Then the descent and the lost boys, like they're right up there for me too. Um, the lost boys, I feel like went on to define a whole genre of, you know, vampire movies that would come um, in the years after that. And then the last two, I feel like are kind of underrated more, I would say kind of cult classics for people who, who, who know about them, enjoy them and enjoy them, but event horizon and mm. the canal. Yeah. Um, those, those are probably my top five. The canal I watched, I had been living in Nashville for maybe not even a year at that point. And I just remember that was one that I found on Netflix, you know, scrolling through the horror movies. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't sleep great that night as a grown man. I was like, I know this is not real, but it was very creepy and like a slow burn horror movie. But in terms of like the satire element, that's something that I've always appreciated with certain horror movies that, you know, maybe at the time they, they, they weren't so, you know, trying to maybe be quote unquote cheesy. But when I go back and watch some of like the 80s slashers and stuff like that, you know, there's, there's kind of those moments in there where you're like, oh, this isn't that scary. You know what I mean? And so, um, so that's kind of a long way of saying that, uh, that nightmare that I had that came from the second Ghostbusters. Um, I actually really appreciate sort of the, the satire in some horror movies in, in American Werewolf in London, I feel like is my top one because it's got, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got comedic moments. It has an amazing special effects uh, department on that one. Um, I think that werewolf transformation scene is one of the best in, in film. I love practical effects, but, uh, but yeah, so those would kind of be the collection I would say for me um, and not to put you guys on the spot, but you know, if you just off the dome, some of your favorites, uh, either horror movies or shows. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. Um, by the way, American Werewolf in London. Love that movie. And it is the best werewolf transformation. <laughs> I think, <laughs> in my opinion, I think it is the best. Um, uh, it's It still holds up today. I, I watched it not that long ago and it still blows my mind how effective that scene is. Um, 
And uh, oh, I think uh, Dylan got disconnected. <laughs> I just saw just he just sent a message right now. He said he got disconnected from the call. Um, we'll get him back on. Okay, we'll get him back on. <laughs> okay, um, he'll probably yeah he'll probably uh, tap tap back in. Um, but yeah, no love, great choices right there. I still haven't seen the canal, but I know what movie you're talking about, which I definitely need to check out. It's been on my radar forever. But some of my favorites, I mean, uh. I love Scream. Scream, Scream One, um, and Scream Two are like. He says, uh, "Oh man, do you need me to resend the link?" Oh, yeah, that's what you said. Well, <laughs> I'm all reading the. Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, for me, this uh, the original Scream, uh, Wes Craven's Scream, is uh, it's probably my favorite horror movie. Um, I think it's just I'm a big slasher head you know those are my favorite that's my favorite subgenre of uh of horror and scream blew my mind when i saw it i still think the opening scene of scream is one of the like best openings ever in a horror movie um it still holds up and it kind of has that same thing like you said of like american werewolf in london it has the comedy in it you know um the satire but it still delivers on the on the horror and thrills you know so um, uh, I think I also like it when horror movies blend comedy and, and horror, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, that's why Scream's one of my, and it's just su- super well filmed. The filmmaking in it is like top notch. If you watch it, it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful film to look at as well. Um, I really like, uh, now this film is, doesn't get enough credit, but, and this is one that's recently kind of climbed up the ladder on my list, but have you ever seen Psycho 2? I have not. Was that the one? Okay. I may have seen the beginnings. Of, was that the one with Vince Vaughn that came out? No, no, that's the re- that's the remake. That's the that's the 1998 remake. But Psycho two. They, so the original Psycho movie, 1960. They have like three sequels to it. Original with Anthony Perkins in it, who played you know Norman Bates. Psycho two came out in 1983, 22 years later, and um, or 23 uh, 23 years later. And uh, yeah, it's I, it took me forever to see this movie. I watched that wasn't expecting much and it blew me out of the water. It was a phenomenal film. It's like a, essentially Norman Bates gets out of, out of, uh, out of the mental hospital, you know, after now they declare him that he's not crazy anymore. He comes out and he goes back to the hotel. Uh, he gets a job at a diner and stuff like that. And then, but then someone starts, he starts getting these uh, letters, these phone calls, someone pretending to be his mother, you know, um, and if you've seen Psycho, that makes sense, obviously. So, <laughs> and then he starts kind of going back into insanity, but it's a really good character study and you're kind of rooting for Norman Bates, which is great. You know, <laughs> it's a very, it's very weird. Cause you're like, damn, you know, part of it's like, you know, you want him to go psychotic cause that's kind of part of the whole thing, you know, but part of it, as you're watching it, you kind of find yourself kind of rooting for Norman Bates uh, to not go crazy. Um, I don't want to ruin it, but it has a great twist. It, it's it, and it's super well made um it's directed by richard franklin he did this movie called road games in the 70s which is a good like hitchcockian kind of road thriller uh horror film and uh the the film's super well done and and it's just uh it took me by surprise i highly recommend you check it out psycho 2 it you won't be disappointed it's just a well-made uh film from from the 80s you know uh but yeah super super good uh, another one would be The Thing. I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing is so good. Um, that movie never gets old. And that movie still to this day, I think, has like the best practical 
practical makeup effects, you know, like of like just gore and carnage, like the the makeup effects by Rob Boutine is so it's just it still works. It holds up today. And that was 1982 and it still blows any like CGI infuse, you know, horror makeup effects that they do nowadays. It's it's it doesn't even hold it, it, it obliterates those movies, in my opinion, personally. Um, and another one I really like. Um, have you ever? Oh, I really like uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, two thousand four. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, have you seen that one? Two thousand four. Gosh, I think like the running zombies <laughs> at the mall. You know what I? I think I have. It's been a minute, but I also maybe I'm confusing it with uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, they came around. They came out around the same time. That's why. Okay. Um, I want but, to say uh, this, but it's been a minute. Yeah. So uh, great film. You got to check it out. Zack Snyder, obviously, you know, he's done all the you know Justice League DC films. Um, oh, Dylan's back. He made it back. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. My router went down. No, it's okay. We're glad to have you back, man. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to multitask and, and forward it with, with Steven while we were while we were talking too, man. It's all good. It happens, folks. Okay. These things happen. It's all good. Um because that was, was yeah, was what? it 2004, was it or 2005 was Dawn of the Dead it, 28 days Yeah, later? 2000. Yeah, they came, yeah, they came out about the same year. I think, yeah, 2004. But uh, I saw Dawn of the Dead first. And I do like 28 Days Later a lot, but Honestly, to this day, Dawn of the Dead 2004 is the best movie theater experience I've ever had really? um, in a movie. Best, hands down. Nothing like regardless of genre or anything. Regardless of genre or anything, it's just the best. It was, it, there, it, it was in like there was a good audience there. It was one of those where the, the you're vibing with the audience while watching the movie. Like it was like like a a perfect synchronization of you know what this what was happening on screen and the reaction of the audience everybody was vibing basically and the movie was just uh, you know exhilarating and and I, I it was me and my brother and we came out of that theater like we freaking just came out of a fucking like a concert festival or some type of amusement <laughs> park ride it, we were like blown away we were like i was so hyped up and energized i was it was it was one of my yeah it, it, i i never forget it it's, it was just great but the film is amazing it has hands down one of the best in my opinion opening uh credit sequences and opening scenes it's just you got to watch it mike you'll i don't know dylan have you seen it Dawn of the dead 2004 uh, no i have not okay the, you guys got to see that one? the zach snyder one yes yeah, that, no, that was his first movie his first movie ever uh feature film you guys got to check it out it's it's a uh, it's a good time, you know, it's just, and, and, and I love the original uh, Dawn of the Dead. That one's good too. But this one is just more like, it's more like an, it, it really amps up the action, but it's still, and it also amps up the horror, you know, so it's a great combination of action and horror. And uh, it's funny as hell too, in my opinion, but yeah, great performances all around too. Yeah. But that, that's a, uh, is that four? Is that five? I don't know. I said Scream, Psycho 2, Dawn of the Dead, The Thing. Um, another one that I like a lot is, um, have you seen the people under the stairs? Mm-mm. No, I have not seen that one. People under the stairs. That that's that's a good one. He made it like probably like a couple years before Scream, but that's like that's another like trippy movie. It's basically this uh, young kid. He's in the Sandlot. That kid from the Sandlot. Um, one of the actors. He's in it, and he's trying to steal some money from this uh, these people 
that own the neighborhood, you know, um, and because his mom is she has cancer. So he's trying to get her surgery or something like that. And um, him and this guy from the neighborhood is like, all right, you want let's we know these people have a lot of money. Let's steal from them. And it happens to be like the worst house they could try to steal money from. It's like the owners are these psychotic, crazy siblings. And the house is basically like a house of horrors. It has traps. Uh, they have people like they have like cannibals in their basement. It's just like a bizarre, wild movie. And uh, but it's also funny too. But yeah, that's one. That's an underrated film. Um, are these all my? I, it's not necessarily my top five, but these are movies that I absolutely you know adore and that uh, I can watch anytime. Um, but Scream is my number one for sure. Scream is my number one. <laughs> Yeah, that that was one I feel like at the time too. That was um it was kind of like, you know, what is it, you know, breaking the fourth wall, you know what I mean? Like as far as um, you know, kind of letting like it it, it kind of knew what it was doing as far as, you know, looking at yeah, self-aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that or as that, they as they say, as they say nowadays, meta, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Dylan, what what about you, man? I mean, just sort of um your favorites that that come to mind when it comes to horror films um i mean i'm definitely not as like well versed and like immersed in the uh the horror genre as like steven or uh some of my other friends but uh the uh the ones that that i you know like uh are uh i love the first insidious um mm. the score alone is awesome um then uh like steven uh i also like uh the thing but uh, i think my favorite john carpenter film is they live um, great film <laughs> and uh i just love the uh the ridiculousness of it it's not really like scary but i guess the uh the paranoia that comes with it after watching the movie um i think is really fun and then um <clears throat> Uh, I also love uh, American Psycho with uh, Christian Bale. Mm. Um, again, I don't really find the movie scary. I just think it's a really interesting, um, interesting story, interesting character, and uh, it has a lot of moments that I, I personally think are really funny. Um, and then, Definitely. Uh, <laughs> as far as like newer films, uh, uh, I really liked um, out of Ari Aster's films. Uh, hereditary i love midsummer but i think hereditary is just more haunting um and i think because of around the time that it came out with uh my own grandmother's passing that it just hit uh a lot different um but uh yeah and then uh as far as like tv shows probably just like the first season of american horror story um, mm. just cause I think that that first season really captures the show's title of all like different American fears, uh, home invasion, school shootings, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, then further down the line, the show just kind of lost its, uh, its way, um, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of my, my top, top five. Yeah, there's there's so many good ones out there, and there's still ones that I need to go back and, and see, man. Um, but I, I think I think what I like about horror as a genre, because I feel like a lot of people are into true crime now. Like it's mm-hmm. like like, and it's funny because I always joke with people about like 
hey, you should watch this horror movie. And and they're like, oh, no, I don't like scary movies. And then you could be like, have you seen the new true crime doc on um, Netflix about da, da, da? And they're like, what time is that on? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> me, I, I'm not really, Very into, true. you know, true crime <laughs> because it's like, it's real. Like, it's real stuff that happened. These are real people. Like, like I remember my sister, we were on vacation too. This is probably like seven years ago. And she was like, have you guys seen the documentary Dear Zachary? And I was like, no, no, I haven't. And oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Oh my God. It's horribly yeah. depressing. And it's, it's, it's just, it's awful. Uh, I don't want to give too much away or like spend too much time on it, but it's, it's real life horror uh, and stuff like that. Like where it's, it's real people and it's real lives that, that have been lost. It's, it's horrible to like, so things like that. I'm not really a true crime guy for that reason. Like I, this, uh, I think there's a new Netflix series about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, I believe, that just came out. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's very well done. It's no disrespect to the people who worked on it and the directors and stuff. But I just I can't get into real people who got murdered or brutalized in any way. Um, and I think what I like about horror movies is it kind of, um, you know, just like you mentioned, Dylan, with with American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. You know, touching on real fears, real things that happen in society. But at the same time, it's like it's at the end of the day, when you watch a, you know, a fictional movie, it's exactly that it's, it's fiction. And I think and for me, also the monster element of things. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the willies. That's, that's another one from, from when I was mm. a kid. Um, I know what movie you're talking about. I didn't see it though. Yeah. Sean Astin is, is mm-hmm. in it. And it basically starts out of, of a group of buddies hanging out and they uh, start to go into a series of short stories and they're all different, different, horror uh things that that go on and um you know things things like that i i enjoy but but real life real life like true crime stuff it's just it's it's infinitely more scary to me because it's real yeah um but the 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 scary movies that freak me out are the ones that can seem real you know um Mm -hmm. like i i don't think it's it's probably classified as a thriller and not a horror movie and, and steven i know we talked about this too but um stir of echoes one mm-hmm. one, of, one of the most terrifying movies i've seen for that reason because it seemed like something that could really happen um yeah and the scene at the end of that movie spoiler alert it came out like <laughs> like 24 years ago now or something it was like 99 yeah. but um at <laughs> the end of the movie where he's finally he tears everything up um, and the plot of the movie for people listening, it's based on a book that was written, I think, in like the 50s. Um, but the plot of the movie is these these folks move into the Chicago neighborhood and it's a tight knit community. And the child that they have is clairvoyant. He can he can see and, and communicate with people who have passed on. And there's a spirit in this home that he's seeing. And the dad, played by Kevin Bacon, ends up getting hypnotized. Um, and then once he gets hypnotized, it kind of opens up this part of his brain where he now can start to see this, this individual as well that his son is seeing and she's telling him to dig. And long story short, he ends up tearing up everything. And at the end of the movie, he's finally ready to throw in the towel. And he like throws this like sledgehammer against the wall and the bricks start to come off in the corner and the the music starts to build up. And that's where her, her dead body is. So Again, I see spoiler, but it came out like 20 plus years ago. So I don't really care that it's <laughs> for you if you're late to the game by two plus decades. But it's it's worth the watch because it's just 
especially that scene. Like I, I watched that a couple of years ago. I hadn't seen it in forever. I watched that scene um, on YouTube and it's, it's still as scary as ever to me. Um, so that's yeah. a long way of saying, I feel like um, I've always appreciated. I, I enjoy the monster stuff and I enjoy the lost boys and the satire, but the truly scary mm-hmm. of the scary movies that I've seen are the ones that seem like they're real, the psychological burn ones. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I mean, like in general movies, don't, I don't get scared anymore. I mean, I don't, I love the genre, but I, I haven't, I, I can't really, I never since probably since 2005 and on, I don't really get like scared. I, mean, I, I can get creeped out, you know, but like scared, like I don't get jump scares. They rarely get me ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but um love the genre i just love i i like to like kind of put myself in that situation like what if you know what if i was in there you know that's what i love about horror movies they put you in that kind of like life and death situation you know and uh, i've always been a fan of that but yeah like yeah when and from the 90s and up then yeah i would get scared you know when i was in the 90s i when i watched all those movies and stuff yeah but now i just like him more for like the psychological kind of uh uh effect that it gives me you know and you said you're not a fan of true crime, which is totally, you know, understandable. I get why people wouldn't be a fan of stuff that really happened to people, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm hooked to true crime stuff. You know, I, I like knowing that the only thing about true crime is that you can always look it up and find out, you know, like, uh, what, there's no, there could always be an element of like, there's no real surprise because you already know the story like Dahmer, like I'm sure I'm going to watch it, but, um, I kind of know his story. So like, it's more about like seeing the filmmaking and the execution of the story more than anything for me. Cause I kind of, I already know his, his end game or what happened to Dahmer or how he did, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so that's why I usually prefer things that aren't based on truth, true stuff. Like when it comes to horror, cause at least you're going to get some type of surprise in the end, you know, like how the story ends and stuff like that. But one of my favorite like true crime things, if you're speaking of horror um, is Zodiac, the movie Zodiac by David Fincher. With uh, Jake I love that. Yeah, I love that movie. First of all, I was just obs- obsessed with the Zodiac Killer like for a long time. I read the book and everything that the movie's based on. Um, and yeah, phenomenal film. Have you have you guys seen it? I have. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, you have not, Dylan. You'll like that film for sure. Just as a on a filmmaking level, it's really well executed. And it's like one of the first. It's like one of the first films shot on like a digital camera, like really like a really well. Uh, put together digital camera you know that didn't look like shoddy or or you know like super levels below film you know and uh yeah so uh, zodiac is a great is a great film you you should definitely watch it Dylan. i think you'll just dig it in general just as a filmmaker um but it's a good story too and it's it's more of a thriller i guess you would say but um just the idea you know it's like a lot of people tell me like oh like the, the, to me horror is horror is anything that if you put yourself in that situation would that be terrifying that's a horror movie you know you can classify it as a horror um it you know it doesn't have to necessarily be making you jump every 20 you know 10 minutes or whatever it is if you put yourself in that scenario in real life and you and you would be scared then yeah that movie you consider that a horror movie in my opinion um but um going with this i told totally lost. what, what no, was the good. question You're good. I, I, I i agree with you i agree with you on that just building on that point yeah if i if i can put myself in that situation and it would scare the bejesus out of me 
um, then, then yes, I consider it horror, whether you want to call it a thriller or like gone girl, gone girl scared the crap out of me too. Like that with, uh, with Ben Affleck, that's a horrifying situation. Yeah. (laughs) I I remember on social media, I put like, after I watched, I was like, that was one of the scariest horror movies I've ever seen. And somebody commented, but it's not a horror movie. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like if you were with somebody and they did that, like the scene where she's, uh, oh gosh, um, the name of the actor uh, is escaping me. Rosamund Pike. Uh, yeah, she she plays the the, the main character. The, um, the main character, yeah. Who her ex uh, boyfriend in the movie that she goes to see? Um, he's been in a oh, yeah, yeah. of his name is escaping me. Gosh, that's Neil, Neil Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, but there's a scene in that where she's like reconnecting with him and she's like mm. making love to him and then she just starts like killing him in the midst of it and you're like oh my god like that is like so crazy man yeah um but just to build on that point steven uh and dylan i'll throw this one at you first man like you mentioned you know you would stay up watch stuff with your dad then he would fall asleep and then you would just be a kid watching whatever thing that he (laughs) had on that maybe you shouldn't have been watching but do you guys remember the first thing that really uh and Steven, you kind of touched on it with The Shining, but um, yeah, you know, moments, whether it was from childhood or even recently, things that you've seen in the last couple of years, like where you watch something. And I mean, I don't mean terrified, like, oh, I'm scared for my life, but yeah. you watch it and you're like, it really kind of got into your psyche. You're like, wow, that's messed up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go ahead, Dylan. <laughs> uh, the most like, like the most recent thing I can think of is uh, probably after watching Midsummer. Um I don't know why, uh, but because like most of the movie takes place in broad daylight, and when I got home, uh, I was home by myself, and there's nothing in the movie about like home invasion or anything like that. But <laughs> I just walked around my house like just with this really uneasy feeling, um, and uh, but I think that was just more of the uh, the psychological you know stuff that that's in uh, in that movie. That was just kind of going through my mind, um, and uh, similar to like, um, I guess the most recent recent thing I saw was a uh, Barbarian. Um, oh, you did and, go see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Damn, I need to see that. <laughs> uh, that that one was another one where like, similar to what Stephen was saying, like horror movies don't really scare me because I know just from you know picking up the camera and like making make-believe stuff happen in front of it that like all this stuff is not real um but uh there's ideas and stuff in certain movies that will kind of haunt me after watching it uh where i can't stop thinking about like a certain like horrifying aspect of the story or a character like something that the character did or you know uh what the whole thing means and uh yeah barbarian is definitely one of those ones where uh it stuck with me like on my on my drive home and you know being at home just thinking about it and uh with that like uneasy feeling in that one uh dylan just to follow up on on both of those midsummer and and barbarian Mm -hmm. i watched the trailer for barbarian was that one one that you think where your experience was elevated by seeing it in the theater because just from watching the trailer it seems like being with an audience experiencing whatever unfolds in that movie um looks looks like uh, i didn't even see the trailer um Mm, uh, yeah some friends just invited me to to see it and uh i knew that justin long was in it 
Um, Love Justin Long. I, I thought it was just... Uh, Same. <laughs> Uh, and like the last thing I saw Justin Long in was uh, Tusk. Um, oh yeah, Tusk. Kevin Smith. I, I hadn't really seen him in anything else, so I was like, oh, okay, this will be this will be like you know, a fun a fun watch. Um, so I went into it pretty blind, uh, and uh, I didn't even know that Bill Skarsgård was in it, so that was a, a mm. fun surprise. And uh, yeah, and then just as as the story played out, it plays out. Um, how do I put this like? uh aware of like horror movie tropes but it also like subverts expectations so the the whole you know going into it blind and then how the story plays out and stuff it was a really fun uh like movie watching experience i was like thoroughly surprised uh like how much i enjoyed it and then and then to touch back on um on midsummer that's another one from ari aster right i believe uh mm-hmm. did he write in yeah. midsummer mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that was one that I that I watched um, not long after it came out, and I had heard about it. Like I had started to hear rumblings about it, and I had seen Hereditary, which uh, ironically my stepdad and I watched like the day after Christmas a few years ago. My mom was <laughs> like, "I've heard this looks good," and then she was like, <sighs> "She fell asleep." My sister fell asleep, and my stepdad and I are just sitting there in the living room like a day after Christmas watching this like crazy movie, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Oh my." And that was that was one of the first horror movies I'd seen in a while where I was like, wow, like just the plot and the storyline, the way things unfolded in that movie, the suspense of it, and just mm-hmm. the just like the the evil nature of it. You're like, oh my God. Like it was it was awesome. So then midsummer, I was like, okay, I already know what I'm I'm in for with Ari Aster, but it was a, like you said, Dylan, I think that was the most unique thing about that movie is that you know the dark. And nighttime is used really as a character, I feel like, in in pretty much every horror movie. And the fact that Midsummer was pretty much exclusively in the daytime, but just is mm-hmm. it's another one of those slow psychological burns where the more that movie came on, like it just the unsettled meter, I, I'll, I'll just call it that. Like it's it, it gets mm-hmm. progressively more unsettling. So I'm with you. That was another one that stuck me stuck with me for a while after I watched it. Yeah, definitely. It's a good movie. Uh, another, I mean, speaking of recent horror movies, I think Dylan said he, he told me he saw this too, but Pearl. Okay. I don't know if you heard of that one, Mike. Uh, I saw uh, Pearl. It's a, it's a prequel to this film called X that came out earlier this year, which is another great movie. But the movie Pearl, I actually prefer this one more, but it's the origin story of the villain in the movie X. And it, it was phenomenal. I thought it was, I was pretty surprised, honestly. Um, but it, it takes place like in 1918 because um, the villain in, in the movie X, the character is really, really old, you know, mm-hmm. so like it goes way back in time. And uh, it's really cool the way it's done. I thought it was a, a, a nice touch. It was done like 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 Wizard of Oz. It felt like a wizard like like that yeah. 1930s style filmmaking and even the look like Technicolor. And uh, it was like Wizard of Oz meets Psycho, basically. Oh, wow. and, and and you see the origin story of this character named Pearl and how she kind of ended up kind of, you know, descent into madness. But the performance by the lead actor, Mia Goth, is worth the price of admission. She is absolutely best. Best thing I've seen all year, like performance wise. Um, she probably won't get any Oscar love because it's a horror movie, but she should at least get nominated um 
should win. She should get any award she gets, you know, any award she gets for this film is well-deserved. She, this movie has one of the best shots I've ever seen in a movie. Um, it's be, a lot of it has to be because it's a great composition, but it's her performance and that shot is so good and so eerie. And it's just like, it's just one of those films when you finish watching, you're like, damn, that, what the hell did I just, what the fuck was that? Like, it was, it was nuts. It was just like, it was great, but it was like, it was like you were watching something beautiful, but like also macabre, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it was just, uh, I highly recommend it. It was, uh, it's like, you know, it's also one of those movies. I like movies where you know that it's going to end bad, but you still are compelled and intrigued of the development of this, you know, of the film, you know, and how it plays out. And it, it didn't disappoint. It never felt like, like uh, it, it never felt trite or boring or anything like that. You know, it, it, it just, it really kept you engaged and, and it delivered and it has like some great, real great moments. Um, but a lot of it has to do with, with that, with the lead actor, the girl, uh, that the Mia Goth who plays Pearl, she phenomenal. That yeah. Monologue. I need to see Barbarian though. Yeah. The, uh, she has a monologue at the end of the movie yeah. that is absolutely killer. And you're just like, wow, okay, that's what real acting is. I got it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so much in in that like monologue and that performance that like you just really feel for the character. Um, exactly. Yeah. And uh, like, I think what the scariest part about that movie is like how much you can like relate and like sympathize mm-hmm. and identify with with Pearl. Um, yeah, that, that was exactly one I, I went into pretty blind. I've been pretty behind on keeping up with movies and stuff. So I hadn't even seen X uh, before w- watching Pearl, but I knew that it was a prequel. So I was going to watch Pearl, then watch X. Um, and uh, I got to say, I mean, I, I like both movies, but uh, I think I prefer X over uh, Pearl. Um, X is great. No, no, <laughs> X is great. I, <laughs> I think that's just because I'm. I like more of the uh, like the seventies aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, to to X. Um, but I love the the character study in uh, in Pearl. Um, I thought it was like with with Pearl. I thought it was uh, really similar to like what they did with uh, Joker in like the Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. uh, Joker, where. Um, there's almost like uh, as the story plays out and as the character descends more and more into madness that like you as the audience, you know, uh, there's like jumping off points where like Mm -hmm. people are no longer on board with this character. Like, you know, um, like I remember working uh, at at the the movie theater when Joker came out and uh, there's always like certain parts where like, you know, after certain scenes that, customers would come out and ask for a refund because they just <laughs> they're not on board with you know watching this guy yeah uh, anymore um so wow. that, that's what pearl sort of reminded me of i'm like they must be living under a rock like do you guys oh, know yeah. who the joker is <laughs> <laughs> well they probably went into it thinking it was uh, like caesar romero's uh joker <laughs> caesar romero's jo- yeah oh man that's funny but yeah no but that's a good comparison of the joker and pearl they kind of have that so I I, th- I think I actually saw someone say like oh like pearls for you know for women if they you know but like you know Joker was for men this pearls for women yeah. <laughs> for women you know I both, but yeah both of them have a, a scene where after they kill someone well I, I think I think this is an X uh, where like after Pearl kills someone like she has like a little dancing moment like a yes yes yeah. 
that's that's totally in, in Joker too, which that's true. I guess is like an actual uh, thing that that can happen where like after someone commits some like you know murderous act that they'll engage in some sort of like dance or some sort of behavior kind of freedom dance or something like that. <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah <laughs> but uh, let, let's let's mike uh, just so you're so that the actor mia goth who plays pearl she's also an ex she okay. plays two care she plays two characters in x she plays a brand new character who's like the final girl in x and she plays the older version of pearl covered in prosthetics yeah. oh wow yeah, so she's doing two roles. So she's great in that movie as well. She's playing two roles, but uh, she really has a lot of like um, a lot of meaty stuff in Pearl, you know, as an actor to do because it's more of a character study. But Pearl's more like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre slash. I mean, not Pearl X is more of like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre slasher, um, and it's really great. It's really good. Kid Cudi's in it. You know, it's got it's got a lot of uh, good actors in it as well. But uh, yeah, you should definitely check those out. I think you'll you'll enjoy them. Yeah, man, you guys you guys are putting me on to stuff. And, and speaking of checking <laughs> out stuff, I, the the last time we talked, Stephen, one of the movies that you told me to check out that that you said was one of your favorites was Black Christmas. And so yes. before before this, and I'd been meaning to watch it, and I was like, all right, I'm I'm gonna make a point to watch this. So I watched the original Black Christmas. Uh-huh. You, there's been what has it been? There's been at least two, maybe. three. There, yeah, there's one in 2006, and then they made one in 2019, which is like the lowest point of the Black Christmas <laughs> franchise. Yeah, the first <laughs> one was uh, was was uh, it was great. You know, I, I really yeah. liked, and I don't know if it was unique for the time, but I really liked, um, or I should say, at the time that it was made, because it yeah, was yeah. was it mid 70s, late 70s, it was like 76. It was uh, a 74, 74, 74. Yeah. So, you know, when they show the the killer, um, you know, the vantage Isn't he the scariest fucking killer? <laughs> yeah, like the, the vantage point, the vantage point of him mm-hmm. coming up on the house, like from Jump Street and finding a way to get into the attic. Mm-hmm. And then the, just the the bat poop crazy phone calls, you know, which I don't know right? if, um, if Scream was partly influenced by that, you know, the kind of terrorizing you know, the home sort of yeah. thing, the phone calls, but, um, but yeah, dude, that was, that was really good. That was a, that was a great, uh, recommendation, but, um, but no, Real uh, creepy film, huh? <laughs> kind of, kind of build it on what you guys are talking about. One thing I wanted to, to touch on with you dudes and thanks again so much for joining me. This is awesome. Um, so mm-hmm. I want to do this with you dudes as independent filmmakers. I mean, the lens through which you guys see performances like Dylan, you mentioned, you know, you're not, you know, like horror is maybe not as much your jam as maybe Steven, but you were just, you guys were just talking about was a Pearl and X, um, you know, just the, 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 the acting in it, like what are some of the things that maybe inspire you or that you take from horror genres? Cause there's certain tropes, like you mentioned, Steven, like, I, I mean, I know there's uh what do they call it? Like a, a canted angle. I'm trying to remember back and, and from, from film oh, in college God, God, when I took a film. Angle. Yeah. Um, or, um, what's the one where it's like the zoom out? Um, oh, what is it? Like, uh, crash zoom. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, like if we were looking at you and then all of a sudden behind you started like zoom, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, like a, yes. Dolly zoom. Yeah. Where, where you're moving forward, 
like uh, in your also, but you're also zooming, you're zooming away. So it creates that kind of like it's in Jaws when he sees the kid and it zooms in on him and it's like the background's also moving. Yeah. And you're moving close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vertigo, vertigo zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yes. Yeah. So for you guys as independent filmmakers, um, and and like I I touched on at the top, obviously Stephen, we we just had you on the show recently for your horror film, mm-hmm. the director's cut, which Dylan did the score for. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to check that out. Um, Dylan, you directed Who, which uh, stars Keith Allen, who's a, a, a talented musician, just a good dude in his own right, who I've also had on the show. But um, what are some things about horror movies uh, or directors in particular from the from the things that you guys have seen or even thrillers um, that mm-hmm. that uh, you feel like are either universal in terms of filmmaking or, or maybe a more direct question would be things that you guys look at and go, wow, that's really cool that they did that. That maybe that's something that I can incorporate into what I do when I either direct or write. Um, I mean, for, uh, for me, it's like the things that like really inspire me that I see in other films, like watching uh, like Pearl and X recently. um, It sort of got me thinking about like uh, trying to dip my toes into like the horror genre um, with like my own short films and stuff because uh, that's a genre that I haven't really uh, tackled before but some of the things that kind of inspired me were like <clears throat> that I've also seen you know in other horror films or even like uh, helping out with Stephen's uh, Stephen's project or uh, you know other friends uh, you know horror film projects and stuff is um, I love seeing like the prosthetics um that's like a big thing that kind of inspires me is like you know whether it be like uh like i've seen like a a fake head be made to uh you know be like you know in the shot be like severed from like a you know a fake body and stuff like that and um seeing the prep work that goes into that is really fascinating and cool and then seeing how it all comes together for just a single shot with you know all the blood and stuff uh decorating it um that's a that's pretty inspiring um and then also just exploring like darker themes because like i feel like uh like you know in like a movie like x like you know uh there's a lot of uh part of the plot is um a group of like you know uh pornographic filmmakers go to you know this uh, old couple's house to uh film some scenes uh while they're staying there and uh the, the whole film has a lot of like sexual themes and stuff but how that also applies to like you know this older version of Pearl um, like I, I think it's fascinating that like in horror films you can always explore the uh, you know darker themes uh, and uh, stuff like that so um, yeah probably just from like the the technical side of things to from like a writing standpoint those are the things that kind of interest me about uh that genre yeah i mean i i mean similar i mean i i think horror horror films in general can pretty much i feel like you can get away with anything you know when you do horror films like i could talk about 9-11 to make a horror movie about it and that can be the subtext you know and people will buy into it they they won't feel like you're nailing something on their head you know beating them over the head with a message or nothing like that I'm, I'm not really a filmmaker that goes out there and is into like oh this is happy you know a, a social commentary filmmaker or anything like that mm-hmm. um i think it natu- naturally 
you're gonna you know have stuff that's going on in the times you know whatever you're writing in the moment um but i I like horror to me i'm just i'm kind of a fetish filmmaker i kind of just stuff that i want to see it's as simple as that it doesn't really get too crazy complicated um but it's all about story you know what kind of stories uh, i'm always trying to i feel like horror movies have that thing where unlike other genres you know, they rely heavily on like the ending, you know, the third act, you know, like what's it going to be? How's this going to tie up? People have an expectation of twist or, or just kind of like some type big of reveal or some crazy operatic climax or something like that. And I like that. I like the idea of something like a roller coaster, just, you know, going, you're up that you're going to high, high, and then you got to give them the, the big drop, you know? So that's always fascinating me about horror movies because it's, they deliver on that on that entertainment factor that I just love in general. And I like all kinds of movies. I like movies that are slow, you know, they have no action at all. It could be all dialogue. I love all that stuff. But horror movie, I feel like you can do it, it's just better when you add a, a head smash, you know? You know, it always makes it movie better when you add in my opinion, when you add you can have like all these great, you know, stories and characters, but when you add horror and to it just elevates it for me to another level um and the way I kind of go about it you know I'm always like what do I want to see um what films inspire me I'm always going back to the things that that uh that inspire me you know the horror movies that inspire me I'm like I'm always trying to capture the magic that I think those films had and trying to kind of do my own version of it you know like a like a DJ you know remixing and you know, taking samples and then remixing that sample. And then it's fresh now, you know, yeah. um, because I've, I've, I mean, I've accepted there's nothing new under the sun. Every idea has been done in some way, shape or form. Um, it's just how you present that idea and how you get, how do you deliver it in a new, interesting kind of way where people forget that it's not an original idea or it's not really like fully original. It's just a fresh take. So um, that's what I feel is original now. You know, how do you take something and make it feel original, you know, because like I said, everything's been essentially done to to a certain extent. Um, but, um, but yeah, I just kind of like to, you know, I'll, I'll rewatch like if I'm if I'm writing like a ghost story, I'm going to be watching the ghost stories that I like, you know, from the past and rewatching them, studying them. Like, OK, I want to do this. I don't want to do that, you know, but I'll also watch movies that have nothing to do with horror movies when it comes to like film filmmaking techniques you know i'll take that from any type of genre and i'm like i'm like oh wow that's a cool technique they should that i'll put that in this film you know um yeah so it's just kind of like a collage of everything that i'm inspired in the moment that's kind of how i go about it and 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 like i said stuff that i want to see in stories you know stories that i find that will be engaging and and have a, a a payoff you know i like cathartic stories where you you feel like you're gonna have some type of like cathartic experience by the end of it you know like a release you know uh like um you know like kill bill and stuff like that you know the that kill bill one's a perfect example that final sequence in kill bill where she you know kills the crazy 88s and stuff like that i mean that's to me that's great you know like christopher nolan films he usually has like cathartic moments in his movies too in the end that's what i'm always kind of striving for just and i feel like horror the horror genre is the best way to those those feelings uh, out of the audiences or have that feeling, you know, for myself, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, that's kind of how I go about it. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. And you mentioned kind of cathartic, like one of the most difficult movies for me to to watch was it was the remake of I Spit on Your Grave. I think it might mm. be like maybe like 10 years old now, like 2012, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and uh, it's a brutal movie because the, the woman mm-hmm. the woman gets gets raped. But like you said, as far as a payoff, like at the end, she gets back at all the mm-hmm. all the guys that that abused her. And um, like halfway through it, I was looking at my, my buddy, Dave, who's a horror movie fan. And I'm like, dude, why did you bring, why are we watching? Like, (laughs) like, this is like, I need to take a shower. I need to go to church. I need it. Like, this is horrible. Like I, you know, and, but, but at the end, like she gets her, her vengeance on these dudes and you're like, okay, it was worth like, just the, just the, the awfulness of like Mm -hmm. watching what she had to experience in the first, you know, what like two acts of the movie and then for her in the third act to kind of you know enact her revenge in the way that she did it were like okay all right like i can i feel a little bit better now um but no, but yeah I, <laughs> I wanted to get that perspective from you guys as uh, as independent filmmakers like the things that you like um and the thing like 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 was mentioned earlier i mean i think that's one of the best and american werewolf in london i think those are two of the mm-hmm. best for um practical effects um my my oldest brother brandon really enjoys reanimator i have you guys seen that oh yeah 80s love reanimator yeah yeah that's that's another one where there's just awesome um awesome special effects and that's something that that i'm glad is still getting incorporated um especially in stranger things the the latest season i don't know have you guys been watching that or have you or or have you kind of stayed away from sort of the pop culture phenomenon that it's become (laughs) i really i really enjoy it i've been i've been watching it since season one not to sound like one of those people like i was watching it with nobody (laughs) because it was popular in season one too but uh but i I, i've seen season one that's it i've only seen season one and nothing against the show i thought season one was great um i'm just bad with tv shows i like i think I felt like it long for set season two to come out. And by the time it came out, I just like got, I was already watching other stuff and then it blew up and all it got bigger and bigger. And yeah, I'm going to go back to it eventually though. I will. I do like season one a lot actually. So yeah, to be fair, there's a lot of great TV. There's so many great mm-hmm. shows now. I mean, maybe, maybe, I, I mean, I think there's probably in, at least in my lifetime, I would say the popularity of shows is either on par or maybe even maybe even better than movies at this point, just in terms of the people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't cross. No, I mean, no, I know I'm talking. I know I'm talking to I know I'm talking to independent filmmakers here. So I'm I just, you know, so again, I love movies. I'm never gonna stop going to the theater and checking out movies. And I wanna see callback to to Dylan when you mentioned going to see Barbarian. Like that's one I want to go see in the theaters. Uh, and I'd like to go see it with somebody who appreciates horror because I'm sure it's a great experience. But I just mean from the standpoint of you're saying catching up on TV shows, there's there's a lot of great shows out there now. And, um, you know, in terms I mean, of horror and filmmaking, I, I do think when it came out a few years ago, I think that opened the door again to studios. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys will know more about this than me. But I feel like that opened the door again for studios to take a chance on horror movies, because I feel like these last probably like five, 10 years, the biggest movies <clears throat> in terms of budget and, and numbers are, are like the, the superhero movies, which I enjoy those. Yeah. As well. But I mean, going back to the nineties, I mean, you had a lot more, you know, you had a lot of great independent movies like 
you know, Kevin Smith and all, all those, all those movies, you know, mm-hmm. into comedies, independent romantic comedies. Um, and then, and then even from a horror perspective, I feel like in the mid two thousands, when I was in high school, Eli Roth came out with cabin fever and I think it came yeah. out Lionsgate. And then I think Lionsgate ended up doing, I believe they did. Um, they did uh, saw the first saw. saw. I think they did was a house of a thousand corpses and devil's reject. I think were those mm-hmm. Lionsgate as well. I think I, they, I think they were. Yeah. Um, but my point just being that, like, I, I think, I think it's gotten to a point where there's so many good shows out there. It's hard to stay up on stuff, even if, even if it is a good show, because you're like, oh, I'm already watching nine, 10, you know, mm-hmm. other things. Um, so yeah, film is not, and again, that's, that's not a shot at you guys, because I love <laughs> movies, but I do think, um, I do think that there so many people, I mean, even with sports, people watch stuff at home now. Um, I don't think yeah, yeah. the theater experience will ever go away because it's just so awesome. Um, like you were mentioned, Stephen, Dawn of the Dead, going to see that and experiencing that with an audience. Um, and I've had moments like that, too, when I saw The Dark Knight. Like, I'm glad that I was in the theater for that, you know, just to see that performance from from Heath Ledger and everybody that movie mm-hmm. was great. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal was great. Obviously, Christian Bale. I mean, uh, it, it was just the, Christopher Nolan, the way he directs all that. But um but yeah, I, I think that that's, and maybe that's a good question to ask you guys. I mean, there's, there's so many good shows out there. I don't think the, the theater experience is dead. Obviously it took a huge hit with COVID, but I, I also think that you almost need, um, you need a breakthrough independent film or you need a movie like it where, where it's like, it has the Stephen King backing and he's probably the most prolific American writer ever, maybe certainly with horror but I think it took it. It seemed like it took that movie being successful for studios to start doing horrors again, where now you get a barbarian, you know what I mean? in a budget to go into something like that. Am I off on that? Because it, it does seem like movie wise, it's been a lot of the superheroes are the ones that dominate it and you don't get as much of the independent yeah. stuff, the scary stuff anymore. Yeah. I don't think you're off. I don't think you're off. I mean, it, no. let's be honest. The only reason theaters are open for the most part, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but I think a big thing is the superhero movies they fund the theater going experience, you know, um, that's the, that's the blockbuster of the now, you know, back then it was Jaws and Star Wars. All, it was all these type of genres back then. Now there's really only one real, real type of blockbuster that's going to guarantee that it's most likely going to get a huge budget and a high, high return. And that's the, Mar- that's like Marvel, DC, the, the comic book movie, superhero movie. Those are the ones that are bringing in the, the cash flow. Um, if they weren't around, uh, I don't know what would be the maybe there'd be something else bigger, but it would definitely hurt the theater, you know, the theater industry if we didn't have those movies. As much as those movies uh, infuriate me sometimes, they are crucial to the to theater still being alive. I will give them that, you know, um, because it's you know it's a general audience type of film films that that those movies are. So they they bring in a lot of money. So I respect them in that sense. Um, but also, yeah, they're also, there's other, you know, this is a whole nother topic we can get into, but, but, but yeah, I feel like, yes, uh, right now, superhero movies, like you said, that's really like the big thing right now. Um, I feel like horror is the second, second thing that kind of gets a push because it's, you know, right now it's like, why am I getting out of my house to go to the movie theater, you know, to sit, to pay 15 bucks, you know, tickets are expensive. They're not cheap. Um, it's usually some type of spectacle. And I think next to 
superheroes flying and all that stuff um it's horror movies you know it's that's the next best thing um and but they don't make nearly as much money as those you know superhero movies but they're i feel like you know back then in the 90s you would see like romantic comedies blockbusters all this stuff and there were all these different genres making big bank you know that you know they have the sandra bullock movies all the julie you know all those rom-coms just straight up dramas and stuff like that. But now you don't see those movies in the theaters pulling in those big bucks. Like mm-hmm. they usually go straight to streaming now. Um, and, it, you know, we're in the dawn of the streaming age, that's for sure. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to, you know, balance out and it'll be coexisting with both and theaters will be thriving, uh, still, still thriving, you know, um, maybe more how they used to before COVID. Um, but I think they're getting back there. I think eventually, I think people are going to always need the theater experience. I think it's a good reason to get out of the house. Yeah. And the, the horror genre, like, uh, I definitely agree. It's definitely second to the, the comic book genre because the comic book genre is always guaranteed to get like, you know, huge opening weekend, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then the horror movies that come out in between, uh, at least for the, you know, the theater, uh, industry those help sort of supplement um you know money coming in because <clears throat> the big like you know uh guarantee with a horror film is that you know it's going to scare someone it, you know mm-hmm. if, if a couple you know that's not like movie savvy or something they're having a dinner date and they want to go watch a, a movie they look and see what's playing you know uh, if they aren't familiar with what else is going on in, in terms of like you know franchise films um they'll probably go to like a horror movie because it's at least you know guaranteed like a, a scare or two um but uh yeah so i definitely agree that it's probably the second biggest genre and now it's it's definitely getting way more attention towards like getting bigger budgets um mm-hmm. like you know uh jordan peele's uh nope that was like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's like his highest budget film, and like, you know, that's because of his uh, his past two and um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, definitely worth the uh, the budget that they got, like with the the final result. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I think eventually, like Stephen was saying, that things will kind of just balance out, um, and. Uh, yeah, with the whole streaming service and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's. I I kind of almost feel like the movie industry right now. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's almost kind of going through. I feel like what the music industry went through, you know, 20 years ago when you started to get MP3.com, I believe, and then it was Napster, and all of a sudden it's like there's all these other options out there, and it it kind of was like, unfortunately, it 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 hurt the artists the most you know what I mean? Because people were illegally downloading and, and now, now you have all these streaming services for music. And I guess just to kind of make a a comparison to the film industry, it's, you know, we went through the huge pandemic and everybody was at home. So, you know, streaming services were, you know, Netflix was, was the major one for, but then Apple, they come out their streaming service, Disney plus Paramount. Mm -hmm. And now you have these exclusive shows where it's like, well, you can only watch this if you have one of these streaming services. But again, I, I think just like going to see a band in concert um, as much as I love 
10 from Pearl Jam. It's my one of my favorite albums of all time. Experiencing some of those songs live and watching them live for three plus hours back in 2014 at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. You know, you can't replace that live experience as much as it's mm-hmm. as it is to turn it to turn the, the radio up in my car to crank it in my headphones, you know, powering through spreadsheets and stuff in my day job, like experiencing it live is is the, the, the best thing, because it's almost like a spiritual experience when you go to a concert, you know, it's it's somebody's emotions from their soul and, and that group of musicians, or even if it's a solo artist, you know, um, and they're, they're unearthing that for you. And I feel like when you go see a film um, and you're in there with strangers and other people you don't know outside of your friend group, there it's, it's a similar thing where it's like, you're not going to get that when you're sitting at home watching it by yourself. It'll still be entertaining at home, but there's, there's always going to be those movies that get you go to go to the theater. You know what I mean? So I like, like you guys said, I mean, I think it'll, it'll balance out as people continue to warm up going back out in public. And unfortunately in America, we have had a lot of public safety issues and, and concerns. Um, my sister-in-law's mom just had a crazy like Thursday or Friday this past week in Ohio, there was a fake, uh, fake threat at the high school that she works at. And they had to like evacuate the whole school. I mean, it's, it's sad that we're in those times now, but that's a long way of me saying, I don't think the theater experience is ever going to go away because just like you guys pointed out, I mean, you, you remember the memorable experiences you had in the theater. Like I remember seeing hook as a kid with Robin Williams. Um, I remember going to see the dark Knight. That's the only movie, the dark Knight's the only movie that I've seen twice, uh, in the theater because it was so good. Um, I saw Shutter Island in the theater. Speaking of like thrillers, horrors, and slow burn, mm-hmm. that that was a great experience in the theater. So that experience is is never going to go away, man. Um, yeah. And now the experience is really catered towards the um, the ticket buyers in a way that it wasn't when we were kids. You know, back in the day, you get a ticket to go to a movie, you would try to find the seat that you wanted. Um, now you mm-hmm. can pick out your seats, you can recline, you can order food yeah. out of these places. If you're an adult, you can order alcohol. So, I mean, it's still enticing enough that that's never going to go away. Yeah. I think as long as people understand that they need, that we can have, have both, you know, we can have the home experience and we can have the, you know, the movie going theater experience. They don't need to be working against each other. They could be working with each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that if I think that's what's happening and will happen. Um, and yeah, and then I think we'll be okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as, as long, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. No, no, you're good. You're good. No, that, that's all I was saying. Just, you know, as long as they just, you know, work together, I think everything will be fine. And they're not trying. It's like, I don't think there's any reason for, you know, any of them to, to go away. You know, streaming has its benefits. The movie theaters have their benefits. Same thing with like physical media has its benefits, you know, stuff like that, you know, as long as, you know, yeah, they should just work together. But, you know, sometimes money talks, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> well, before we wrap it up and thanks again so much, you guys for taking the time to do mm-hmm. this. I'm, I was super stoked to talk to you guys, um, you know, especially being again, being independent filmmakers and being the creatives that you are and the good dudes that you are. I knew we'd have a good conversation, but 
Uh, one of the other things I wanted to touch with you on, um, you know, we're in, it, it's, I, th- I feel like it's a good follow-up to what we were just talking about with kind of like the superhero movies bringing in. And I don't want people to think we're hating on super movie hero movies, by the way, either. Cause I would say the first Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson is probably mm-hmm. in my top 10 favorite movies ever. I love Batman. I've loved Batman since I was a kid. I love Michael Keaton. Um, mm-hmm. I love that uh, Tim Burton made him Batman for that because you know, especially, you know, even now, I mean, I feel like an actor that is, that is uh, as well-rounded as him, but, but at the time, I think he was probably more viewed for his comedy. People mm-hmm. weren't expecting that. And I thought the the darkness and the backstory of Bruce Wayne, like Michael Keaton was, he's, he's the goat for me for Batman, no disrespect to Christian Bale or, you know, Val Kilmer or, you know, George Clooney, anybody, anybody else, you know, Ben Affleck, but um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the new one yet with, with Robert Pattinson. It looks really dark. And I, and that appeals to me because uh, you know, the nature of Batman story is dark. I digress, but, but Michael Keaton's great. Um, so I don't want people. Mike, you're Mike, Mike, you're hundred percent right. He is the go of Batman. <laughs> Michael Keaton is the go. There's no yeah. doubt about it. He is the go. Yeah, so in my I, opinion too. Yeah, I, I just I just want to be clear, people. Like I I don't I don't I'm not hating on superhero movies, but um, but but I'm I'm glad that a movie like it, and again, outside looking in, not knowing anything about the film industry, it seemed like the success of that has kind of lent itself to to us seeing more horror movies coming in the theaters, and also having a budget that lends itself to it being a, a good experience for moviegoers. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's getting ready to come out um is it called smile is that what it's called have you guys seen oh it? yeah 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 it yeah it like the they creep- have a really good marketing marketing uh campaign going on right now yeah. i don't know if you, you guys heard about it but they're at they have them at like uh good morning america like in the background someone just smiling the whole time at, at baseball <laughs> oh, really? games just standing <laughs> yeah they're doing oh, a great right. job they, you know <laughs> so that girl at the game the other night the baseball game that was part of okay okay part of the movie yeah, because the broadcast like, caught on to it. And I, I saw it on Instagram. They're like, okay, you know, and the girls just the back. I didn't even put yeah, that's that's cool. It seems like a cool concept. Um, and uh, and that was kind of one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up, as far as and you guys have already touched on it with movies like you know, Pearl and X, uh, which I wasn't familiar with, but um over the years, what are some of the more, I guess you could say underground or maybe cult classic horror movies that you feel like were game changers and or your favorites. You know, one that I mentioned earlier that I, that sticks out to me is cabin fever. Cause I knew it took Eli Roth forever to get that made. And it really, I think helped propel Lionsgate um, really, really kickstarted his career in a big way. Um, but what are some of those that maybe are a little bit more obscure that you think people listening to this might not be aware of that you wanted to throw out there? You want to go first, Dylan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you can go first on the. <laughs> um, oh man, that's that's kind of a loaded question. Um, but you know, I think I mentioned it um, when we talked last time, Micah. You know, Antichrist, um, the house that Jack built. Um, those are definitely more kind of underground type of at least feel. Uh, they feel more underground, you know, because the of the of the subject matter. Um, you know, a movie that I feel like, I mean, it, it, it's known, but a movie that was really influential to me just in general of like what you can do in a movie is uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, 
the George Clooney one uh, because it's a movie. If you had never seen any of the advertisement of that movie and you just press play, you'd be like, oh, we're, I'm watching a crime thriller. You know, I'm watching this, you know, these two brothers, can, you know, they, have a host- they have hostages, they're trying to escape from the authorities. You would have never guessed that halfway through the movie that it's a vampire movie, you know, uh, that like all these vampires are going to start popping up. So to me, that movie is one of my favorites just for that reason of uh, alone, just of of the of the 180 that happens in that movie, where you're just like you're in this genre, but you're at now you're in this genre, and it's like even the tone is different; it's a little bit more campier, but it works. You know, it works. They commit to it. So I, from Dust Till Dawn's one of the, I mean, like I said, it's not super unknown, but it you know I still think it doesn't get enough uh love and appreciation as it should um it's an i think it's an amazing movie and it, to me it's still george clooney's best performance <laughs> in anything he's done he doesn't talk about it enough and he should he should talk more about it uh uh from dust till dawn um but uh let me see another one um I'm trying to think dylan if you think of something right now right now let me look at my i made a list let me look at my list <laughs> yeah i uh i guess oh for, like go ahead, go ahead. Uh, for like underground um stuff like uh on like youtube uh there's a a channel uh i think the filmmaker's name is uh like kane pixels and he has this uh series called the back rooms and it's all like you know self-funded like low budget filmmaking stuff but it's uh i highly recommend checking that out because it's really eerie and uh there's a lot of like um all all the episodes are like presented out of order but that ties into the actual story cuz it's all like found footage oh um, wow. and okay uh, yeah the just from like a like low budget filmmaking standpoint it's like really like technically impressive um and uh cuz there's like rooms that like repeat and stuff and so like this guy's like making uh, uh with this like with a low budget like using uh like creating like digital spaces that look like photorealistic and stuff um and uh there's some really creepy elements that are that are in it but definitely check out uh Kane Kane Pixels uh the back Kane Pixels yeah nice nice um okay I got some more sorry I'm looking at my list that I made um so what have you ever seen the movie serial mom i have not no okay it, it has kathleen turner do you know who john waters is have you heard of that name that filmmaker they consider him the, the king of filth um but <laughs> but serial mom it's a great like kind of it's kind of a play on like true crime stuff you know i'm looking but at it, a picture it's of about him. yeah I've seen yeah it it's a you've seen it before yeah um yeah serial mom it's just a it's like 1994 um it's like about this it's it's a comedy for sure you know uh sad times and and it's uh yeah i have it's got good horror in it i haven't seen that movie but i've seen john waters before for sure yeah okay yeah i know know he made that yeah he made that movie and uh, it's just a great movie um it's funny as hell but it's also disturbing in in uh in a humorous way but it's super underrated not enough people have seen it and it's it's uh it's a mom who's a serial killer simple as that serial mom you know and it, and she kills people over like 
the like the like most ridiculous things like they're wearing the white after labor day stuff like that you know <laughs> or they're they don't you know say you know they don't like um what you call it recycle you know she, she kills people over those type of things so it's a uh, it's a very humorous uh but very effective uh comedy horror movie another movie which is surprising that it doesn't get enough uh doesn't get talked about more because it has such a big actor in it uh denzel washington is in this movie it's called fallen um and it's he plays a detective and he's uh he's trying to catch a serial killer but the serial killer is a is a is a demon who possesses people and does serial killings so he's kind of it's it's a very interesting uh it kind of has like a like the seven feel like the movie seven but with a, a demon as a serial killer and the demon can touch by touching someone if they're not pure at heart the demon can possess them and make them do these crimes so he's uh so denzel's trying to catch this uh this kind of very kind of like the worst nightmare type of person for a detective to to try to track down um super well what super well made and a a great ending too and denzel's amazing it has john goodman in it um as well really really dope film um i highly recommend it. it's like 1998 when it came out and then another one uh frailty have you seen frailty um, i directed it who's in bill paxton Bill Paxton's in it and uh, Matthew McConaughey's in it. Um, and basically the movie, Bill Paxton uh, fathered to these uh, two young boys and he one day shows up, he's like a working man. He shows up and he tells his two sons like, Hey, I got a vision from God. And he says, he's going to give me a list and a weapon. And this list is going to have these pe- these people's names but they're actually demons and he wants me to kill them. So that's like the setup of the movie, but it's super well made. Bill Paxton directed it really well done. His performance is great. Matthew McConaughey's great. Has a great ending as well. Highly recommend it. It's super underrated. A lot of people kind of forget about it, you know? Um, but I, I think you guys will definitely dig that movie. And my last, my last one, my last one is uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It's like 2006. It came out, and uh, this guy named Leslie Vernon, who has this uh, kind of like uh, he has this document, this person doing a documentary on him, and he's like a serial killer, and he, you know, and it kind of it, it's in the same universe as Jason, Chucky, you know, Michael Myers, and all that stuff. But it's a comedy as well as it's comedic, and uh, he basically shows him how he does his process while taking these like horror, horror slasher tropes. And kind of like showing them how he does his things. And, you know, it's like, I have to work out really well because I don't chase people. I just walk them down, you know, like Michael Myers just walks people down. So it does funny stuff like that. Super well made, super funny. The guy who plays the killer, Leslie Vernon, that guy's amazing. Um, and it's just a good time of a film. And it definitely, it had like a little good, like, it has a cult following, but I feel like it's it, it needs more attention because it's a really, really fun time. It has a, what's his name? Robert England's in it. The, you know who plays freddy cougar he's in it as well but yeah those 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 movies that that i had on my list i i highly recommend because they're just entertaining and they're fun and they're they're super well executed films you know they're just great films uh beyond great horror movies you know 
in my opinion, of course. Sure. Yeah, I've seen, <laughs> you I've guys seen... are gonna be like, these movies suck. <laughs> oh man, no, you. I like I said, I watched Black Christmas. I was late to the party on that one. I really enjoyed it. Fallen, I really enjoyed one. One that I want to throw out there, and I think I told you about it, Stephen and Dylan. I wanted to tell you about it that I thought was because you mentioned like everything being done, and it was like a, a concept that I that I hadn't seen in something else yet. But it was called the Deep House. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And it's on. That's uh, on my watch list. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. I believe you can watch it. I'm sure it's on other streaming services. I watched it on Prime, but uh, just a, just a cool concept about uh, a couple that likes to explore abandoned places uh, and creepy places, okay. and um, and yeah, it's uh, a house that's underwater and like kind of like what you were saying earlier, Stephen. Like you know, it's not going to end well. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't expect what was, what was going to happen in it. Um, and, you know, again, I don't want to mm-hmm. get too much away, but it was just like, you know, you go into it going, okay, it's a horror movie. It's a house underwater. I know some messed stuff stuff's going to happen, but it wasn't what I was expecting. And I think it's worth the watch. And I think it's cool in terms of kind of taking that haunted house concept and just putting a twist on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the last thing that I'll leave you guys with, because we're, we're about 90 minutes, and, and thanks again so much, dudes, for the time. I really appreciate it. It's been fun to geek out on. Um, oh, you're welcome. You guys are welcome on any time, man. I, I really – I've been fortunate to connect with good dudes like you um, as I've been getting back into the podcast, man, and it's been cool to to connect with other creative, independent people out there. Um, so you're welcome back any time. But just with the theme appreciate of uh, being perseverance and, and moving forward to kind of wrap it up here at the end, you know, both of you guys are, are independent creatives, you know, um, Dylan, we mentioned you did the score on the director's cut. Um, you've, you've directed and, you know, written, uh, and, and produced things. You're a musician, uh, Dylan and Steven, obviously the director's cut is your baby, the, the horror film that you put together. And we talked about that at length on an episode not long ago. So for, for those of you listening to this, you want to check that out. Um, it just came out, I think it was August. Um, but what are some things that you guys want to share in your experience with the listeners in terms of persevering as independent creatives that you think is beneficial to anybody out there who who might be getting started or, you know, maybe they're in the nine to five world, but they have this creative itch that they want to scratch, whether it's with film or movies or, or music, whatever that pursuit is. Um, well, uh, I recently got back from a uh, two-week-long tour. Uh, I was uh, on the road with two bands, uh, and uh, every every day, every night, I, I film them. Um, I, I just got back from that like like two weeks ago, um, and I gotta say, like while <clears throat> on the road and seeing that, like it made me think, like it's pretty crazy what you know touring musicians do because you go all that all that distance. Um, you know, long drives, uh, just to set up your stuff for, you know, a 20 to 30 minute set. And then when your set's done, you take it down and you do it all over again. Um, and, uh, seeing that on like, basically like a daily nightly basis, um, was really, really inspiring. Um, of just, uh, and the, the whole tour was DIY. It was all self-funded, you know, all the bands mm-hmm. like, had pitched in to make the thing happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, just seeing what, uh, you know, what, you know, perseverance is like with, with those bands and, uh, 
you know, seeing uh, seeing them do it just to uh, to show off their craft and show off, you know, the material that they that they made and all that stuff um, was really inspiring. And it's no one no one told them to do it. You know, neither neither one of the bands have like a you know a manager or a label or anything like that. It's just something that this you know, group of people of between these two bands wanted to do. Um, and it's it's always really incredible and inspiring to see like you know what a group of people who are on the same page uh what they can accomplish and same thing with like being on steven's set for uh, the director's cut you know um it's really incredible when a group of people get together and uh you know make make something happen um so if, for the people that are like just now getting into it I mean, I think the big thing is to find, uh, you know, stick with it and never give up. But along the way, find, you know, like-minded people that are, you know, willing to do crazy stuff like wake up at, you know, three in the morning to go get uh, a shot, you know, a, a single shot for uh, a short film or, um, you know, go on a two-week-long, you know, self-funded tour or like, um yeah just finding those people and stuff is always really inspiring for uh for like at least for my own motivation and perseverance seeing uh you know that other people are willing to to do it too yeah no i mean i think that's i think basically what you said you know finding your tribe um finding the like the like-minded people and uh Always, you know, I think one thing is you got to don't be afraid to fail. That's one thing. Like if you're starting out, like just, I mean, I remember when I started writing, I was like, fuck, I don't even remember half of like stuff that I, you know, like that I learned in school, you know, so I got to reteach myself like simple shit, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is embarrassing at the fucking wait, this, how does this work? Okay. It's, I'm like, but I wanted to write, you know, I wanted to do it. I know this is what I want to do. So I had to put in the, the, the effort, you know, and, and, and uh, I think one thing in the beginning, when I first got into this, I, I wanted a shortcut. I wanted to just get a shortcut, you know, and just, you know, get, make it easy on myself. You know, you got to embrace the, the grind. That's one thing you got to just embr embrace the, the, the legwork, the hard work. Um, because in the end of the day, it's going to be beneficial and it's going to be satisfying once, once you finally complete whatever you're trying to complete, you know? Um, but yeah, I think those, those things are key, you know, finding the people that are interested in what you are also interested in and, and embracing the, the hard work, like, like the research stuff, you know, the stuff that's like, doesn't get talked about all the mistakes and all that stuff. And whenever you have a, you know, a bad night or whatever of writing or whatever it is that you're trying to do, just, you know, go back at it again. You know, you just keep, you know, grinding. That's all you got to keep doing. You got to keep grinding. If you really, if you're really, really passionate about it and you, that's all you want to do, like you just got to keep uh, uh, moving forward. You know, you got to keep, even if it's scary, you know, cause it's, you don't know what's gonna, you know, we don't know what's coming. It could be scary. Like, Oh my God, you know, what if that doesn't work out or whatever? Yeah. But you're never going to know unless you try. So um, I think it's just more kind of challenging it, for me, kind of, like I said, one of the best things that I kind of live my life by uh, or like a motto or whatever 
um, uh, is I heard a filmmaker say Robert Rodriguez, which I'm sure he heard it from someone else, but uh, he was just talking about, you just gotta, you just gotta fear forward. You know, it's scary, but go backwards. Cause that's going to make it even worse. So if you're going to be scared, you might as well just progress and move forward instead of, you know, regress and go backwards. So just uh, keep, keep, keep moving forward, even if it's scary, because there's no other way. What's the other option isn't no other options is good. You know, there's only one option that's to try to, you know, if you want to have a, you know, a healthy life, you know, you got to keep going forward uh, to, you know, uh, what's, what's the word? Um, perseverance, you know, you just got to go forward, keep going. Well, Dylan, Steven, this has been great, you guys. I, I really appreciate the time. Um, and in my my bird brain, I was just thinking, man, Fear Forward would be like the cool name of like a, a horror series or something. <laughs> but um, but I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate the time. Um, I'll put up the links in the podcast description, obviously. But for people who are unaware of where they can find you um, or, or support you, let them let them know um, where where they can find you guys out there on the internet. Uh, yeah, you can find uh, Realverse Productions at Realverse Productions on Instagram. And uh, if you want to check out my music project, uh, Slingshot, you can find it on Instagram at uh, slingshot.band. Um, yeah, so you can go on my Instagram at uh, my last name, Aripes Films. And uh, on my LinkedIn bio, there's the GoFundMe for the for the director's cut, just for the film festival and travel costs. You can go on there, click the link, and donate whatever you can. Um, uh, well, then, so you can find me on TikTok at my first and last name, Stephen Adipas twenty four. And yeah, um, I'm gonna be I'm cutting a trailer, like a a trailer for the film, so that'll be coming out soon. And and yeah, those are my social medias where you can find me and you know, talk to me and stuff. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Dylan, Steven, thank you again so much, fellas, for taking the time. This was awesome. I can't wait for people to listen to this. And uh, I know they'll they'll enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So let's definitely keep in touch, fellas. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> That was my conversation with Steven Aripes and Dylan Baumgartner. Make sure you go follow these guys on Instagram for Steven. You can follow him at Aripes Films, and that is spelled A-R-I-P-E-Z. And for all things The Director's Cut, make sure you go follow The Director's Cut Film on Instagram. And again, if you scroll to the bottom of the podcast description for this episode, I will have the link for the GoFundMe for the director's cut so that Steven can get it out there on the film festival circuit and ultimately get it out to all of you fine people to see. I loved it. If you're a fan of horror, if you're a fan of hangout movies, much like the Clerks movies and the Kevin Smith movies uh, with great dialogue, it's an awesome, awesome watch. And for Dylan, you can follow him on Instagram at Realverse Productions, and that is spelled R-E-E-L-V-E-R-S-E. And the website is realverseproductions.com. And make sure you check out his band Slingshot. You can follow them on Instagram as well at slingshot.band. The fall issue of Realverse magazine is out now. He featured yours truly in it as a, as an ad for the podcast in, in one of the pages for the magazine. And he's done that before. And I just I can't thank him enough for 
helping me get the podcast name out there as well. It's it's really cool when you meet awesome creatives who want to support each other. And uh, I feel really fortunate to cross paths with Stephen and Dylan. And uh, it's just, I, I just really admire the work that these guys do. And, and that's why I wanted to have them back on the podcast. Not only are they down to earth, kind human beings, you guys, but creatively they're, they're monsters in a good way. Um, and I just realized now I didn't even mean that, but, uh, as far as, um, using that reference, but it's Halloween and I said they're monsters. I'm like, Oh, cool. Good on you, Mike. But anyway, I digress, but, uh, they're great dudes. I I love talking to them. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did, but, but again, please go support these guys and, and other independent creators that you know, whether they're musicians, whether they're artists, people who, who, who take the time to pursue their dreams like this, you guys, it's important. I wouldn't want to live in a, in a, in a world where there was no music and everything was just math and science and black and white. We need the shades of gray. We need the creativity. We need the emotion. We need the art. And these guys are true artists, man. So again, the director's cut film, check out that, check out real verse productions. You know, again, Dylan's doing everything from film to music, writing, directing, producing, the latest edition of Realverse Magazine, the fall issue, is out now. Make sure you go check that out. It's it's awesome. The the creativity in both of these dudes is just amazing. And like I said, they're great human beings. So once again, at Realverse Productions, realverseproductions.com, at slingshot.band, at Arepez Films, and at the Director's Cut Film. Everything's going to be in the podcast description for this episode. And if you guys want to follow me, once again, you can find me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is March4th.podbean.com. The link tree with all of my stuff is in the podcast description as well. And if you did enjoy this episode, if you would take the time to like, to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on either Spotify or Apple, tell a friend to tell a friend. It really helps the podcast rank higher and get out to more people. And ultimately, that's what I want, man. I want more people to hear these conversations so that we can spread the word on the great work that guys like Steven and Dylan are doing out there as creatives and up-and-coming talents in, in music and film, man. It's it's really important to support each other. And again, I just uh, when, when people are, are great talents but also great people, it's, it's, it's rare to come by. So if you enjoyed this show... Uh, again, I hate begging for, for this kind of stuff, but it really goes a long way if you take the time to like and subscribe to the podcast, to leave a rating and a review. And um, I know for sure on Apple and Spotify you can do that. It's a it's a five-star system, so you can leave a star rating. And I know on Apple you can also leave a comment on the show as well. And just you know, spreading it by word of mouth, telling your friends about the show. And if you're a young creative out there, or just a creative in general, you don't have to be young, quote unquote. You don't have to be like 25. I'm not going to like not talk to you if you're less than 20, you know, 20. Oh, dude, you're in a band and you're 38. No, you can't be on the show, bro. Can't be on the show. Um, but if you're if you're somebody out there and, and you're an artist or a creative or you've got a nonprofit, you've got a story of persevering and moving forward that you think would fit the mold of this podcast, give me a shout. My contact info is in my link tree. And I'm pretty active on Instagram as far as getting back to people. So I'd love to have you on if, uh, you know, you've got some music or movies you're working on or something creative or, you know, a story that you want to share. Um, I, I'm, I'm open to suggestions, man. So and once again, man, I just want to say thank you to everybody for taking the time to listen to the show. I'm not going to rant too much longer because my throat is still sore. And uh, even though I feel like I sound cooler than my regular voice when I'm sick, I, I don't like being sick. And um, 
this was just a really fun episode. I hope that everybody has a safe and fun Halloween. I hope that you guys found out about some cool horror movies or shows that you weren't aware of before. I know I did on this show, and that's why I wanted to do it too, because I know these guys have watched things that I probably haven't seen and vice versa. So if you're a horror movie fan, if you're a fan of film in general or TV and movies, hopefully you guys enjoy this one. And um, yeah, man, please go support Dylan and Steven. They're great dudes. And on that note, I'm just going to say keep the faith and be kind to one another. I love you all. I will see you on the next one. Peace.